Welcome to Parenting Decoded, a podcast for practical approaches to parenting. I'm Mary Eshing. In this episode, I'm so excited to have an expert on coming up with strategies for how to deal with screens with our kids, Emily Churkin, otherwise known as the Screen Time Consultant. She takes what she calls a tech-intentional approach to dealing with screens and kids. She's been on all sorts of national TV shows from Good Morning America to the Today Show, as well as writing for the New York Times. She's developing a new hands-on curriculum for parents who want to find screen time balance for their families. Check it out on www.screentimeconsultant.com. She's amazing, and I hope you find this information useful. I'll put a link to her website as well as a free ebook resource that she's making available to our audience, Mastering Screen Time. Enjoy the talk and check out the resources. Welcome, Emily. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast today. I cannot tell you how many times I have families talk to me, call me, pull me out of a session or whatever to say my kids are driving me crazy our electronics are out of control. And I know you have managed to make a whole industry, you know, you've taken this crazy industry that's become a real industry in our lives and made it into a way that you can help families. And so I want to take today to um, try to get some advice from you about how to, like, when I've talked about screen time for my podcast listeners and in my lectures, I talk about having contracts and having a short contract, but I talk, I call it a contract, but I love how you have an e-guide for um, how to deal with screen time behaviors. And I wanted you to take some time to explain how you would approach families who feel like they have no controls whatsoever. What would they do if they're like, Emily, I need some help. My kids are out of control. What, what should I do? Yes, thanks. Thanks, Mary, for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Um, you know, this parenting in the digital age is like no other parenting generation previously. We are contending with with things like social media and 24-7 streaming and personal devices that our parents never had to deal with. So the challenge is very different. Um, and for most families, I have found that when we can kind of pull back and go to the sort of core of what our family life is, which would be focusing on those things that are most important to us. Sometimes people would say those are their values, what, you know, whatever the thing is that makes your family unique and that you care about the most. And that when we can sort of pull back and focus on those, we can then build our screen time rules and limits and contracts around them. And here's a little secret about that. If you can keep your family values or family guide list short, sweet, and broad, it's really easy to tuck those screen time rules in there as well. So as an example, if we say in our family, we value taking care of our bodies or taking care of our home, then when we talk about, oh, you know, having so much time on the screens isn't good for our eyes or isn't good for our brains. And that's one of our values. And we can point to it on the piece of paper that we've posted in the dining room. And then it's just this thing that's just, oh, we've already agreed to these things. So we can kind of tuck it in under there without having to list it out so specifically. I think sometimes that's a, a mistake parents make is they get too detailed and then you have to manage all those details. So if you keep it broad, you can kind of tuck that advice, or, you know, tuck that belief and approach into the bigger, broader value. Well, and I like how that sits in my mind about like what 
does our family want out of life? And I think that a lot of families, they just say, oh, you're not supposed to have more than two hours of of a computer a week or something like that. It's like, well, why? One of your things in your yeah. e-guide that you have available is, is like, give some reasoning behind it instead of just being a dictator. Yeah. And Dictators also have to have police departments is what I find. It's right. like the, the least yeah. fun job in my life as a parent has been to be the computer police. Like who wants Absolutely. that? You're only going to get shot at. <laughs> so it's like, how do you integrate? Right. So you have some family values, but how do you also integrate it so that you have time to talk to your kids about like why screens might be stealing their eyesight or something like that or their brains? How do you do that? Yes, absolutely. And I think one of the things I always like to emphasize to parents is that it's not excessive screen time that I am concerned about. It's, I'm sorry, (laughs) it is excessive screen time. (laughs) Let me rephrase that. It It is excessive screen time that I worry about, not occasional. And, you know, it's tricky because parents want a number. They want to say, well, how many hours per day per age of child? Well, we all know different kids and we know that one hour for one kid is going to have a different impact on an hour for another kid of the same age. It's, it's not a one size fits all. So that's the first thing to remember. The other thing is to really think about how can we um, pick stuff to start with that's really the low hanging fruit. So by, by identifying, you know, so maybe it, for a lot of families, I know it's that phones at the dinner table, right? Or, or the phones as a distraction during a family moment, you know, and, and a parent might say, well, I have my phone put away, but my partner you know, they're looking at their phone through dinner. It's really hard for me to set a rule if someone else isn't following it. So the first thing too is, as you point out, you know, being a dictator is, is not a, a very strategic, it's not a healthy strategy as parenting goes, but we do want to remember that we still are in charge. So we do get to still set the rules, but it doesn't mean we can't invite conversation with our kids. So we might ask them, you know, how does everyone feel about having phones at the dinner table? And of course it depends a little on the age of your kids, but even a five or a six-year-old can talk about what it feels like if mom or dad is staring at their phone while they're trying to eat dinner together. Having our children be a part of the conversation can help us shape those values, even if we're the ultimate deciders about what gets put on the list. Does that make sense? So giving them input and having them feel like they have a little bit of control will help them, the buy-in be there. And it helps them to understand why, because you can explain it. You can say like, you know, this isn't going to help your brain grow and be interesting and curious because it's only focusing on this one thing repetitively and that's not good for your brain, right? We want there to be buy-in, but we want them to feel that they've had some semblance of control as well. Yeah. I, I find it curious that, you know, when you're trying to set up your family values with this buy-in and stuff like that, it's like having that sort of template that you talked about, about setting up your family values. It's like, do we value, I'm in the Silicon Valley and you're up in the Seattle area. And it's like, academics is a really high priority. And if that is a family value, how does that balance off? And setting as having that discussion with my kids as about like, well, is it interfering? I, one of my sons used to have a FaceTime window open while he was studying with his friends when he was in middle school. And to him, it felt like, um, he had friends that he was studying with and from the outside, it could look like that, or it could like, look like they're just dinking around. And so it's like, how do you, um, how do you have a discussion with that child about like, Hmm, how efficient are you? How effective are you? How is that working out with doing the homework and maybe compartmentalizing, you know, having a discussion though about compartmentalizing 
instead of just yes. saying, like, you know, no FaceTime cameras. No, no, no. It's yeah. too distracting. But having a discussion where your kid could say, oh, maybe I'm not doing good. And that's a, yes, absolutely the discussion. And sometimes I actually think it's okay to experiment. So you could say, okay, you're telling me that you can be more productive with the FaceTime window open or with your chat box open or whatever it is that you feel is a distraction to your child. Let's try it. Let's see, you predict, how much do you think time do you need to finish this math assignment, right? Have the kids predict. I think it's going to take me 20 minutes. Then go back, check in 20 minutes. How are you? How's the progress? Do it for a week. And this is a tricky thing. You can't be judgmental about it until you've completed the experiment, right? And then it's next week, we're going to try something totally different. We're going to try without it. We're going to see, did you feel like you understood the material better? Did you get through the assignment quicker? Quicker isn't always better either, by the way, right? We have to, we don't want them to rush (laughs) through it. But then you have a compare and contrast. Then you get to say, you have to remove that judgmental language. You can say, hmm, I noticed that this week it took you twice as long to finish your math assignment when you were distracted by your friends being on. When you did it by yourself, it only took you 20 minutes. Do you want 40 minutes of homework or 20 minutes of homework, right? So even though in your own adult brain, we know what we want by presenting it as a choice, as you've talked about, you know, we give them a sense of, oh, that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah, but I think it also gives them the opportunity to, like, I know one of my sons, he had really advanced math classes and, and physics and stuff in, later on in high school. And having those buddies online to talk to about problem sets mm-hmm. as they're doing, it was beneficial. And so running an experiment sure. like that could prove the opposite. Maybe it took longer, True. but I understood the material more. And and then that's great feedback because then he gets to say why it was better yeah. for him. Yeah, I like yeah. it. And, then, and that, that's in a good point, too, because not all screen time is created equal. See, I would argue that that FaceTiming with friends is the next best thing to being in the same room as them. If they really are quizzing each other and doing that. If they're also gaming and texting and watching a video while they study for math, then that's going to totally derail it, right? Yeah. So it's about sort of sussing that out, like what, which one of these is actually beneficial and which one's a distraction. Yeah, that's awesome. And in my podcast, I talk a lot about having family meetings and it's sort mm-hmm. of just a, a, a continuation of that. Like, I love how you talk about how you run an experiment for a week and see. Yeah. A lot of people, yeah. they do it once and they think, oh, it failed. We're, we're going to go back to mom's way. I'm like, no, 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 yes. no. I love how, like, we're just in the same sink. I love it. And how- yeah, and I think you're right, too, about time, right? We have to give time for these things to, to, to practice, to test, to implement. Two quick um, solutions never last, you know, and often parents want that quick fix. It doesn't work. So I want to talk about, you made that comment earlier about, excessive screen time. And all, a lot of us as parents, we obsess about excessive screen time and we think that everything's excessive. Do you have mm. any more guidance for parents about how do you determine if it's excessive or not? Uh, mm. Great question. So I always tell parents I'm not anti-technology, I'm tech intentional. So when parents, one of the first things they want to know is how much is too much. And I say very unhelpfully, a little bit's okay and a lot is too much, <laughs> which is not specific. But again, I'm being really intentional about that because as I mentioned, you know, an hour for one kid is going to look totally different than for another kid. And because not all screen time is created equal, you know, an hour of playing Fortnite or Minecraft might be very different than an hour of reading a book with grandma over Skype, right? Or FaceTime. Like, so it's a totally different experience. 
for parents who want to think about what is excessive, I would invite them to look at the sort of the bigger picture. How much time is your kid spending online at school? A lot of schools have increased the amount of screen use in the classroom. It used to be sort of a screen-free zone and it's not anymore. How much time is your child spending outside? We know research shows that matters so much for healthy child development. Is your child playing and interacting with friends? Is your child participating in other activities, whether that's like a structured sport or just, you know, kicking a soccer ball in the backyard? Are they reading books? If you think of it as sort of a 24-hour day, is their day broken up by enough non-screen-based activity or is the screen time displacing these other things? My feeling is if you have displaced all these other things and screen time is the bulk of it, that is to me excessive, right? But I would align that with your values, right? So some families might say six hours a day outside of school on screens is within their family's values. I mean, again, it's not my family. So you get to decide for yourself what you feel is right. I know what the research says, but that's your choice. And some other families might say like an hour is all I'm comfortable with. I, you know, it really depends. And I'll be fully transparent here. I struggle with this as a parent too. I may be the screen time consultant, but I have a 10 year old and a 13 year old who would love it if I gave them more screen time and they ask for it all the time. And I go back and forth between, is it easier, better for me to just say only on the weekends or only a set time? But then how many of us are fighting when that time's up, right? Oh, can I just five more minutes? I'm not done. I want to, you know, that becomes a stressor too. And so it's easier for us as parents to hop into that negative language and just assume that it's bad. And there's a, we know the fight's coming. So we like, you know, get our, you know, lock ourselves in ready for that battle. And then, you know, it never ends well. Yeah. And I want to talk about those battles. Because as we mentioned mentioned earlier, it's like, it's no fun being the cop in your house for computers and all that. Yeah. How do you, recommend to people uh, when I I have a a contract online, a sample contract that people can look at. It's about a page long, but in it, I think it's essential that as you set up any guidelines for your family's activity, that there's consequences built in that if kids Mm -hmm. are like all of a sudden exceeding, let's say you say an hour a day for a 10 year old, let's just say, and um, you find them on the computer, like after an hour and 10 minutes or an hour and a half or two hours later, they have obviously broken the family commitment to an hour mm-hmm. a day. And I recommend mm-hmm. that families do something upfront so that the kids actually define their own consequences of like, what happens when that happens? Is there a consequence? Yeah. If there's no, and I'm not talking about punishment really, but like sort of like a, an agreement about like, if yeah. I, do, if I get this, what do you, what, ha- you know, what happens yeah. and if it doesn't happen? What do you say? Well, <laughs> yeah, a few a few thoughts. One is that kids often don't have the same sense of time that we do, especially the younger the kid, an hour doesn't, they don't register that, which is why an external timer can help. Doesn't mean they're going to get off, but it, it's at least a cue. The other thing is it's not a, um, it's not a fair fight because these products are designed to hook and hold their attention and keep them on, which we can talk about more later too. (laughs) But when we use screen time to incentivize or punish or reward, my feeling is that we just load it even more. So if there are ways to find other, I prefer the idea of like incentivizing good behavior um, as opposed to punishment, you know, or a consequence for a choice. Um, Then we have to think about like, I mean, how many parents, of course, have said, you know, if you don't do X, I'm going to take away screen time. Or if you want this and you have to do that. 
And the problem is we just make it the thing they want even more than they already want it. So if we can offer anything else, and this is where that displacement question comes in, does your kid have other things that they care about and want to do? If you can't think of anything else, then they probably have too much screen time, right? Like it's, we have to kind of, if that's it, if that's the only thing that seems to work, then we do need to look at what else are they doing in their day. And I think it's it's valuable to talk to kids about the fact that we know they are going to have that meltdown and that it will be hard for them to turn it off. We know that because their neural pathways have been hijacked by that feeling of playing and the dopamine hit that comes with it. So if we can teach them, that's what's going to happen. And we need to have a strategy so that when it ends and you're mad, because we know you're going to be mad and that's okay, it's going to be expected. What do you do with that anger? What do you do with that frustration? And come up with a plan ahead of time. Put it in writing. I mean, I'm a big fan of putting everything in writing. And I think that's kind of what I talk about with consequences. It's like, well, if you're you're regularly exceeding even, you could put it in in words like that. It's like, if I find that you're regularly exceeding, you're, you're not getting off when you've committed to, then we have to sit down and have a discussion. We have to regroup. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's yes. like, you just lost your computer for a week or you know, yes. like we rip it away and they get pissed at us for their own poor decisions to exceed the limits that yes. they agreed to. And like, I don't want to yes. be the person they're mad at. I want right. them right. to own their, their consequence of like, oh gosh, I got to sit down with mom and have another strategy. Like maybe I have to go join a basketball team. Maybe I have to, and I'm not going to punish, quote unquote, punish them and say, you have to do that. It's like, huh, this is interesting. It seems to have gotten out of control and be able to have those forms of communication Mm -hmm. sort of built in. And the contract could have this like, well, if you're exceeding it, or it could be, um, we were talking ahead of this uh, about, I really love consequences that are uh, involved choices that don't have to do with screen time. It's Mm -hmm. like, okay, you've agreed Mm -hmm. to an hour a day and I've noticed that you're not holding up your end of the bargain, would you like to lose screen time tomorrow or would you like to scrub the bathroom floor? You know, assuming the kid's able to scrub the bathroom, you know, or would you like to, um, you know, reorganize the toys in the toy room or something, you know, like give them an alternative that doesn't put extra value, like you Mm -hmm. said, on the electronics. Like, okay, the the electronics being out of control is okay. Uh, We're going to get it under control. Our commitment as a family is to have it under control. And how do we do that? And and we have to keep having discussions. I agree. I think the conversation piece is just, you can't do this without that. And I can give you an example with my own daughter. I found her... Um, sometimes it's easier if we actually blame the device itself. Like if we actually put the fault on the fact that the device has created this conflict because all families want less of this conflict. It's just so stressful. So one time I found my daughter who had used the iPad to listen to an audiobook, but this is a slippery slope, right? Because then the iPad has all the other stuff on it. It's like going into the candy shop and saying, you can look, but you can't buy, you know, you don't, don't touch the candy. And I came down and I could tell she had been playing a game. She's swiping windows closed. And I said, uh-oh, what happened? You know, this was not something I had said was okay. And first she denied it. And then I said, well, you know what? I actually think I realized something here. I can't expect your brain at this age to resist that temptation. That's not fair for me to put that on you. So I'm going to put a password on the iPad. So that will remind you that next time you want to listen to an audiobook, you have to come and ask me and we turn the password on to get the audiobook and then we set it again so that all you have to worry about is the audiobook. Oh, wow. What a great idea. That was... (laughs) 
And it was a, it was a spontaneous, I got lucky with that idea, but I will tell you, it diffused the tension immediately because I took that immediate blame and frustration. And I just was able to say, wait a second, this isn't about you. This isn't about me. This is about us needing to, I know you and I know your brain. I know your age. I can't expect this of you. And maybe it was me putting it on it a little bit onto myself, but we're the adults. Like that's okay. We can take some of this. Yeah. <laughs> I think we need to take well, some I of like this. Well, I like that. It, it reminds me that your comment about set, using timers, because because especially littler kids, but even 13-year-olds, yes. they might need external stimulation to learn those limits. And I firmly advocate for having as many timers as possible. If you find, if I find my kid, yeah. we, uh, we have one timer and he fails every time. It's like, let's get two timers. We're going to have a five minute warning timer and a, and a done timer. Yeah. And if that doesn't work, I'm going to have a 15 minute one and then a uh, 10 minute one. And I'm going to just do it all. It's like, uh, those timers are cheap and easy to use. And um, so, but they would be little, you know, those button timers, not, not my iPhone. Yeah. Not, not extra technology. Right, not, that's a different. Yeah. And the other thing about timers is sometimes I, I feel like even timers themselves don't work because kids just start to tune them out. You know, we sort of like know oh. that it's coming and then we oh. ignore it. Another strategy is to, as the parent, if you know, the timer's going off, you go and you sit with your child. So there's a five minute timer it goes off. And for the last five minutes, you sit with your child whatever it is they're yeah, doing, the video game, the, the show. <laughs> and there's a physical cue, right? Then it's not just the sound of the timer. It's, oh, mom's showing up. That means this is the transition's coming. And then you sit with them and you remind them gently and you can say, oh, our time is coming to an end. What's one thing you want to show me before we turn this off? Yeah. So again, you were talking about choices. In some ways, it's like when they're toddlers, do you want to put your shoes on or do you want me to put your shoes on? Giving them a choice, but ending with the thing you want. So if you can ask them, would you like to show me what you were working on? Is there something you want to tell me about this game before you turn it off? You help them transition out of that screen, you know, hijacked brain into what's coming next by sharing it with you too, rather than coming at it with a moment of conflict, which can be stressful. Yeah, for sure. Well, great. Any other great tips that you want to share with families try, trying to put some limits and boundaries and... Yeah, I would just say to go slow and do baby steps. You know, if, if I do a presentation, I'm always telling families, I gave you a lot of ideas tonight. Please pick one. If you go home and you start from, you know, all over, we're throwing everything out and starting afresh, it's not going to work. And then you're going to email me and say, that didn't work. And I'll say, I know, I told you, I warned you, it doesn't work that way. These things take time. It takes time to change habits and takes time to build new ones. And so we have to allow time to practice them. So I would say picking one thing that you want to change and, and only doing that one thing for two weeks. And you have to let the other things go, which is hard. We want to fix it yeah. all, but we have to do one thing at a time to get that change that we're seeking. Yeah, great. All right. And I'm going to put the information on how to get to your website and your other YouTube videos. You have some great technology, little quick five minute tips. I love them. Thank They're you. so great. I will put Thank that on the you. podcast um, notes so that people can get to them. Thanks so much for being with great. me today. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me, Mary. Take good care. <laughs>